Welcome to our midweek online Bible study. We're finishing up a study on grace from the letter to Titus. Access to the other lessons we've had on this can be found on the website of this lesson you're looking at. From Titus chapter 1, we looked at the freedom of grace. Titus 2, we looked at what makes grace so amazing. And this time we're looking at Titus chapter 3, living by grace. So I want to read to you from Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. So turn your Bibles to Titus 3, 1 through 8. Paul writes, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever's good, to slander no one, to be peaceable, considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Now, Paul starts with, in verse 1, encouraging the Christians in Crete to be ready to do whatever's good. And when you drop down to verse 8, at the end of it, the instructions are to carefully devote themselves to doing what is good. These things, the doing what is good, are excellent and profitable for everyone. Now remember, these Christians live in Crete. The Cretes had an infamous reputation for their lifestyle. Paul refers to it, if you go back to Titus 1 verse 12, Paul quotes one of their philosophers, one of their prophets. Paul says, one of Crete's own prophets has said it this way, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. <laughs> now that's a tough assessment of the Cretan society. And that would be a very tough place to minister like Titus is having to. And it'd be a tough place to live out the Christian life. But Paul says, that that saying that the prophet has about the Cretans is true. And he further encourages those Cretans, Christians, to be sound in the faith. And in chapter 2, he tells the older men and women that are Christians to be an example to the young as how to live by grace through faith. So as Paul is wrapping up his letter to Titus, he exhorts the Christians in that area of Crete and for us today to live by God's grace. And verses 3 through 7 point them to how the grace of God works in life. Now go back to verse 3 and notice how grace transforms. Paul writes, at one time we too, see the past tense, at one time we used to be this way. Later on he's going to say, but now we're no longer that way. In the past, we too were this way. So what changed? The transformation of God's grace. Grace transforms. We too 
were foolish, disobedient, and deceived. See, at one time we were foolish, but grace has transformed our mind. Now, the word foolish there doesn't mean that you don't have intelligence. It doesn't mean lacking intelligence. That's not the idea. In fact, oftentimes in the Bible, the foolish person is the one who refuses to admit or to live according to God's way. Scripture states that great thinkers are not always wise livers. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 20. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. See, not all great thinkers are living wisely. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. The mind, the smart people in life are not going to be able to figure it out how to live without God. So then Paul says, well, where is that wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You see, just ask the question. If we're so smart, if we're so intelligent, if we're so wise, if our philosophy, if our teachings of the law are going to make us better people, then why are we in such a mess? Think about it. The reason? Because the cross that we preach, Paul says, is foolishness to so many in this world. Now, you can refuse Christ if you want to. You can continue to live by your intelligence and by your wisdom and by the philosophy of this world, but it's foolishness to live that way. In fact, that's what Titus is told. We, too, used to be foolish. Our foolish minds were transformed by the grace of God. And that foolishness of our mind, Paul says, is marked by, look in verse 3 of Titus 3, by disobedience. Now, that doesn't mean that we just simply disobeyed. It has that idea of being willful, obstinate, and stubborn in our disobedience. Disobedience in light of the truth. Disobedience in light of knowing what is right. And it's right there before you, but you refuse to acknowledge or to accept it as truth. You're not really wanting to know the truth. It's like Jack Nicholson a long time in one of those movies when he's asked on the stage, uh, rather in the jury, uh, I'm sorry, in the courtroom, what is the truth? He says, you want to know the truth? You don't want to know the truth because you can't handle the truth. And that's the way so many people in our world, they're blind to the truth and they're remaining foolish in their mind and not being transformed their minds by the grace of God. A foolish mind needs transformation by grace. Because Paul says it's not only marked by disobedience, but also, verse 3, by deception. Why are we so foolish without God? Why are we so willfully disobedient before we get saved? Because there's a devil, and he's the great deceiver. And the Word of God says he deceives the whole world. Revelation 12, verse 9. Grace has transformed our mind. Grace transforms our passions. Look at verse 3. We too were enslaved by all kinds of pleasures and passions. You know, living in sin is not just a mistake. Living in sin is not just an error in judgment. It's a trap. 
It puts us in chains and makes us a slave to that sin. We need grace to transform our passions. You know, last week we saw in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to say yes to living a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. Thank God for His transforming grace, that He transforms our passions. I'm thankful I don't have God's justice for my sins, where I would get the just punishment for my disobedience. I'm thankful by God's grace that I receive His mercy, what I don't deserve, and that I have received His grace, something that I need, but something that I don't deserve. Grace transforms our minds. It transforms our passions. And Paul continues that it transforms our broken and damaged relationships. Verse 4, we too lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. One of the most interesting but not surprising data facts that's coming out of this COVID shelter in place and the period in which we're in is that there's been a rise of anger and resentment and bitterness and mistreatment of others. The rise of crime and violence has increased dramatically in many parts of our country. So much for the milk of human kindness or that human nature is inherently good. No, in difficult times and tumultuous times like ours, it becomes more dangerous because it's a reminder of how the scriptures are so right that what we call righteous human deeds are nothing more than filthy rags. The grace of God transforms our minds, our passions, and the way we treat one another. The solution to the ills of our society, to the violence, to the crime, to all the disaster and tumult of our society is the way of Jesus Christ. It is ultimately putting your life into the hands of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is through the grace by faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved from all that. That grace transforms broken and damaged relationships. Sin is our problem. The guilt of sin is our problem. The guilt of sin is not just a feeling to be healed, but a condition that needs to be cured. And the only cure for that three-letter word is the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We too, before Christ, used to be foolish in our minds, enslaved to our passions and participants in the broken and wounded relationships of this world. Sin does this. However, Paul says the Christian is no longer controlled by that three-letter word of sin. Another three-letter word points to a conversion, a transformation of our life by grace. And this is the foundation of grace. Here's that three-letter word that starts verse 4 that points to the foundation of grace. B-U-T. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. The foundation of this transforming grace is the kindness and the love of God our Savior. You see verse 4? It begins with a three-letter word, doesn't it? B-U-T. It's a corner verse here. God turns the corner by His grace. Hallelujah. Thank God for his grace. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of his righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. God loves you. 
God is kind towards you. God loves you so much. That's when it appeared. His kindness and love appeared through Jesus Christ. Did you hear the story about a man who lost his dog? He put an ad in the paper and it said something like this. Lost dog, reward offered, mixed breed, limps due to an automobile accident and arthritic condition. He is blind in one eye. Large patches of fur are missing due, due to mange. He does not hear very well. And he answers to his name, Lucky. <laughs> you think that's the wrong name for this dog. But you know what? He was a lucky dog. He was a lucky dog to have an owner that loved him so much that the owner would put out an ad and try to save him and bring him back home. He was loved by that owner. When you think about us as Christians, we're more than lucky dogs. We're blessed because God's kindness and love has been shown towards us. That's grace. The foundation of grace is God's kindness and love to save us by his mercy. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, God loves us. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, that's grace. God doesn't love us because we're valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. The foundation of grace is also the rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 5. Look at it now. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The love of God and kindness of God has appeared. And the work of the Holy Spirit of rebirth and renewal is happening to us. You see, this foundation of grace is supernatural. It's supernatural. It's based upon the kindness and love of God, the work of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, and also the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins. Verse 6. Holy Spirit's poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Look at verse 4. God is called our Savior. Verse 6, Jesus Christ is called our Savior. Now, is God our Savior or is Jesus Christ our Savior? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. God is our Savior. Jesus Christ died for us. There's the sacrificial work of the Savior. He provided himself an innocent sacrifice to bear our sins upon him on the cross. And Jesus, who knew no sin became our sin so that sinful me might be declared sin free. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Do you know what you call that? That's called grace. That's the foundation of grace. Grace transforms our mind, our passions, and our relationships. The foundation of grace is the kindness and the love of God our Savior, the rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sin. We live by grace because of the inheritance we have from grace through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Now this is talking about the return of Christ. This is talking about your future as a Christian. You're an heir. An heir of God and joint heir with Jesus Christ. 
In Revelation 21, verse 7, it says that through Jesus Christ, we will inherit all things. That's our bright future because of the grace of God. In this present age, Paul says, we're not left alone. We have the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.14, which is the down payment of our inheritance. Down payment of our inheritance. We have it right here. We have the earnest payment. This is what we have now. But what we're going to fully have later, we know will come through God. Well, I hope this mini-series on grace from the letter of Titus has encouraged you in your daily walk with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want us to use now portions of Titus 3 through 8 as a prayer to lift our spirits and be thankful for God's grace as we close. Let me pray with you. Dear Father, we put our trust in you. May we carefully devote ourselves to doing what is good to live by grace. Let us know, let us lean, let us understand that by doing whatever is good in your sight are things that are excellent and profitable for everyone. Thank you for your kindness and love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work of rebirth and renewal in our lives. And thank you, thank you Jesus, for your sacrifice for my sins. Thank you for transforming my mind, my passions, and my relationships through the great gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.